Okay, so it's Easter. So then let's begin at Easter, all right? So we go to the book of Luke and read just a little bit of the Easter story, the first six verses there. Jesus has been crucified two days earlier, all right? And so now we find out on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, sounds like he's describing angels, they stood beside these two women, and in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Jesus was crucified on Friday, Friday morning, hung on the cross all day long, died just before sunset. At sunset on Friday is when the Sabbath begins. And so they couldn't, they didn't have time, it was getting dark, so the ladies didn't have time to properly prepare the body of Jesus for burial, to anoint him. And so they had to just put him in a tomb and they were coming back later. The Sabbath began at at, at sundown on Friday, all day long Saturday was Sabbath, so they couldn't do it then. By the time Sabbath was over, it's sundown again. So they had to wait till the next morning. This is their first opportunity. And so they go there with spices. But what's so powerful to me in this thought, in this moment right here, and somebody needs to hear that, is that they went there expecting to find death, but they found life. And some of you, You're looking at your life and you're looking at stuff going on in your life and people are telling you and and, and the reports are coming in and and you're just expecting death. It's all you can can fathom. The next thing, it's going to be death. It's, It's the end. It's over. But it's not over until God says it's over. And they were looking for death, but they found life. You see, and there's some people that, that have a hard time with, with this miracle. And they say, I, I just don't know that. I really, you know, I, I really believe that. Now listen, I don't have a problem with this one. I, I doubt uh, of all the ones that maybe I've struggled with, you know, and maybe some of this, you know, did God really do that in my, and those moments of question? Yeah, sometimes we do that and it's okay, all right? It's okay to tell Jesus about, yeah, sometimes I'm struggling with this. Help me, help me with my unbelief. But when I've had unbelief, it's never been about this one. Because if you've already settled that you believe in God, if you've already settled that all of this around us didn't happen by accident, you know, that one day the sun and the energy of the sun just, just kind of hit the scum on top of the water just right and, and life all of a sudden sprang into being. If you believe, uh, I, that's not, but you believe that, that there is a God, it is not a great leap of faith to me than to believe then that the creator of this universe, the creator of life itself, he can get up and walk out of a tomb if he wants to. I mean, this has not been a tough one for me to understand or for me to grasp because I've already decided, you know, yeah, my faith is in God. My faith is in God. So I believe that if he can do all of this, he can do that. But where, where I... where I struggle, and I don't really mean this is a struggle like I'm struggling today, y'all gotta help me pray. But where I just can't fathom, where I can't, I can't get it, it's, it's just amazing to me, is not that he was able to do this himself, but what he does for us. In that, in that he sees me and he sees me in all of my mistakes and all of my failures and, and all the times that I've let him down, and yet he does this for me. He does this for us. 
is that he shows up in the middle of my life that is full of death. You see, death at the end of this life is not the only death that we're dealing with today. Marriages are dying. Relationships are dying. Futures are dying. Uh, Jobs are dying. Vocations are dying. There is death all around us. But what's amazing to me is that God shows up in the middle of that death and he brings new life and he brings resurrection. Amen. Let let me say something. I've toyed with sharing this this week and and I did at the end of the first service. I'm going to do it right here. You know, just, just a few weeks ago, I shared right before service, I, I think it's three or four Sundays ago, right before, right before I began the sermon, I shared, I shared with you my, uh, my mom's great miracle that she had just received, how that, and she had had two doctors tell us that she had cancer. I mean, right after surgery, they told us, my dad said, what did it look like? And they said, oh, it's cancer. Didn't hesitate, it's cancer. You know, and, and, then, and then just a few days later, and, the, and they took time and they took extra time. We're like, well, we want to hear something. You know, and, and then my mom said she heard from the doctor and the doctor gave a good report. And I'm like, I want to hear it from his mouth. I went to his office. I missed him. He missed me coming by the room. Finally, he called me on the phone and he told me. And he said, he said, she is totally clear, perfectly clear. There is no cancer. After two said there's cancer and the church prayed. And then she got that testimony that there is no cancer. But I haven't told you the rest of the story. A lot of you don't know that during that same time, within one week of that same time that my mom heard from two doctors she had cancer, my wife, Dava, also had been told by a doctor she had cancer. Two, two and a half years ago, she had her thyroid removed, and they said there was cancer there, and so they've been watching her. And so then, then in, the, in the same week that my mom heard that, my wife also heard that C word. You know, and they tried to say that kind of thing like, well, if you've got to have cancer, thyroid's the best kind. That kind of don't matter, you know. I don't want to hear that. It's the C word, you know. It doesn't matter if it's the best. It doesn't matter if it's the most treatable. It's the C word, and it's all of that. And so that, that was in the same week, you know, and my mom got her report, you know, it's been about three weeks ago now. And so we've been kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally this Tuesday, David went back to see her surgeon and got the pathology report. And he said, nope, there is no cancer there. You are fully clean. You're, everything is good. Amen. When I got word of that, she wouldn't let me go to the doctor with her. When I got word of that, I was with a bunch of people and I couldn't really just stop and thank God. As soon as I could, man, I started crying. And just thanking God for what he had delivered me from. Because you know what happens when you have a, an impending death? You think about what it's going to be like after death, right? And I'm not talking about her, I'm talking about this death that she's going to have, this death that is in her body and what it's going to take and what we're going to have to go through and what she's going to have to go through about all this stuff that could happen. And, 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 and my mom had just been, and so the same thing, and I had this, so I had all, I mean, it's been, it, it was rough several weeks there, guys, you know. I don't know, anybody ever been there besides his pastor? You, you ever been one of those? Rough, rough several weeks? And I just thank God. So when I was able to conduct myself again, I sent out a text to all the, all the prayer team because they'd been praying with us over mom. Then they'd been praying with us over Deva. And I sent out a text to them and they began replying to the text. Thank God. For, every time I got a text, I just started crying again because I had to thank God for what he had done. But let me, let me, let me tell, you, tell you one last little thing because my mom called me this week, Thursday or Friday of this week. And she said, I got a little bit of good news I want to share with you. And, and so and she said, the doctor, she started like that, the doctor, 
they called again. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you already got that. What, what, what other good news could there be on top of that? You don't have cancer. You know, what, what other good news could there be? And she said, they said that they went back through and checked all the reports all over again just to make sure. And yes, she is cancer. And here's the thing. Here's what I want you to get. Two different doctors told us she had cancer. A doctor told my wife she had cancer. The doctors were so sure that my mom had cancer. They don't have a lot of free time. I mean, you've been to their office, right? They don't have a lot of free time to just go do things because they want to do things. They were so sure she had cancer, they went back and looked over the reports again and, and one more time declared and affirmed that she did not have cancer. There is death all around us, but we serve a God that has life and brings life into the middle of all the death that is around us. Would you help me and just say thank God for the life that is there? It's not about just about that. These ladies, they went looking for death, but they found life because, and this sermon is not about Jesus finding life because Jesus didn't find life. Jesus is life. He doesn't find life. He is life. We find life in him. And these ladies went looking for death, but they found life. They found life through him. And this is not just life at the end of this, you know, after, you know, into eternity because that's what there are, there are thousands, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people going to church today that don't go to church any other time of the year. And they are anticipating a pastor telling them about eternal life after this one is over. But I want to tell you about life while this one is still going on. That there is life today. Jesus brings life in the middle of your death today. Whatever, whatever death you're dealing with, whatever struggles, whatever battles, whatever problems you're facing, the death that is there, Jesus wants to bring life into it because that's what he does. Not just one day, but today, the here and now, right now, he wants to bring that into your life. Because he did that when he was here. One time he was in the, in the city streets and, and, and he had been, he'd been teaching and they brought, there were some religious people. Now that's almost got kind of become code, you know. If they're religious people, they didn't know anything about God, they just knew everything about the stuff around God. And they weren't in it for what God was in it for. They were in it for their own thing. They were religious and they brought this woman that had been caught in the act of adultery, they said. They bring her, they throw her at the feet of Jesus and said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, here's the first clue that they're not in this about the sin because this sin of adultery, you can't do it by yourself. There's more than one person that had committed the sin. But they only brought one of them. So, you know, maybe it was a mean old guy that they didn't bring, you know, that, that she was committing adultery with. Maybe she was a pretty sweet little girl, you know, like, because they were trying to trap Jesus. And they said, Moses' law said, we have to stone her and kill her. Now, I know that sounds really, really strange to us today, but some of you are old enough to remember there used to be laws. There were laws on books about committing adultery. I mean, that, that was having, having a, an affair. Like you're breaking, a, you're breaking a covenant that you make when you stand before God and, and the witnesses of your family. You're making a covenant and you're breaking that covenant. I mean, there used to be a time in this country where when you gave your word, it meant something. Okay, now that, that, so that's kind of weird for people to hear that. Yeah, you used to go to somebody's house and say, I want to buy this piece of property for you, shake hands on it, and it's done. You didn't have to spit or anything like that. Just shake hands, and it's done. 
You know, it used to be that's the way it was. And it's like, we're just so far from that. This sounds so foreign. But they understood, you're, you're breaking God's covenant. And this was a crime in their society that was punishable by death. And so they bring her to Jesus and say, now this is what the law of Moses says. So Jesus, did you come to destroy the law of Moses? Because we're supposed to stone her. But Jesus knew they wasn't there about the law of Moses. They weren't there about the sin. They weren't there about God. They were there to just catch Jesus. So he just kind of paused. He bent down. He rode in the sand. What's he doing? They, you know, they said, come on, Jesus. Are you listening to us? Are you paying attention? Finally, he says, whoever's without sin, you, cast, you, you can cast the first stone. And then he went back down to writing. And then the conviction got. See, if they were really about the sin, you know what they'd have been doing? They would have been joining hands with that lady and saying, Jesus, we need forgiveness. They wouldn't have been pointing any fingers. They would have been saying, Jesus, we all need forgiveness. If they'd have really been about to sin, because when Jesus said that, every one of them left. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even those religious that want to point the fingers to the, the rest of us who are just recognized we are just sinners saved by grace. And so they all left, and Jesus said, he looked up at the woman's, just him and her there now. And he says, where are your, those who condemn you? And she said, nobody condemns me, Lord. And he said, neither do I. Now leave your life of sin. Leave your life of sin. And he didn't condemn. You remember John three sixteen? Some of you can quote that. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we need to know verse 17 also because he continues there and he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so today, if you're sitting here and that's what you feel, and you feel condemned and convicted and you're struggling with all that, the law says you're supposed to die. That Old Testament law says you're supposed to die for your sin. But it's not just that law. It's also the laws of nature. We know we're all dying, right? Everybody knows that. You know you're dying, right? Anybody, did I just blow that for somebody you didn't know you're dying? You're getting older, you know, your hair's falling out, all these little things are happening. You are dying. But what Jesus did when he went to the cross, when he went to the cross, what Jesus did when he died for us, he took on flesh and blood so that he could die for us and so he could get that flesh and blood back up on Sunday morning. What he did for us is he fulfilled the law of the Old Testament because the Old Testament law said there must be blood to pay for sin in the eyes of God. And Jesus said, I'm here to pay for that. That's been paid. That means your sin can be forgiven. It's already taken care of. But more than that also is he provided life. Life one day and life right here and right now that yeah yes the law says we are going to die but through Jesus we have life because that's who he is one day Jesus was out, out picking his disciples and he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew now Simon Peter wasn't named Peter yet he's just called Simon and Jesus named him Peter and started calling him that but Simon and, and Andrew, were, were, they, were, they were fishermen, and Jesus finds them, and, and he calls them. And, and, and this was so ingrained in, in Simon's nature, that being a fisherman, that even after he walked with Jesus for three years, and, and then he saw Jesus crucified, and then he saw Jesus after he resurrected, then Jesus turned to the other disciples. He said, I'm going fishing. And some of them said, we're going with you. And so they went fishing. I've heard people say, well, he was backing up. He was turning his back on Jesus. He was going back to his past. But, you know, maybe he was just going back to a comfortable place. I mean, you know, for some of you today, if I said, hey, let's celebrate. What you want to do? Somebody would say, let's go fishing. Right? And this is, what, this is who Simon Peter was. Yet, yet also, there were some other things about Simon Peter. 
He was impetuous. That's a nice way of saying he had a temper. You know, his mouth ran a lot faster than his brain. He would always do something and have to back up and apologize for it later. Nobody here like that, right? You know, he's cutting off the servants here and Jesus is having to heal it and tell, don't, don't do that, Simon. You're just making this worse. You know, some of us are like Simon Peter in that way, aren't we? You know, God's trying to fix something and we just keep tearing it up. Uh, you know, Jesus had to rebuke him one time when he said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. You're not going to wash my feet. Jesus had to rebuke him. And the night before Jesus died, Simon Peter three times denied that he knew Jesus. One time he even cussed. That's what we'd say down here in the South, right? One time he even cussed. I don't know this man who this is. I don't know him. I don't know him. And you know, your nature, my nature, your nature, whatever it is that you are, Simon Peter probably heard this and heard this over and over. You're nothing but a fisherman. You're nothing but a hot-headed fisherman. And you won't ever be anything else. You'll never be an amazing follower of Jesus Christ. You're always going to have a temper. This is your nature. This is who it is. Our nature pulls relentlessly at us. But through Jesus, we have the grace of forgiveness and second chance. And I know what some of you are already thinking. You say, but I've already had my second chance. You know, and, and you know, I'm on my 400th chance or my 1,000th chance or, or, or the whatever. But Simon Peter, he's the poster boy for second chances because he was constantly messing up and Jesus was just having to drag him along and say, it's going to be all right, Simon Peter. We're going to get this thing handled one of these days. You know, it's not just about one or two chances. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the requirement of the law. And so now... You've got more than just second chances. Some of you are already thinking, but you don't know how many times. The disciples one day asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive our brother that wrongs us? Should we forgive him seven times? And Jesus gives them a number. Now, now it occurs to me that Jesus would not require more of us than he would do himself, right? So whatever number he gives to the disciples, that this is how many times you ought to be forgiving you know, you ought to be forgiving your brother that does you wrong. It occurs to me, whatever number he gives for us, he's going to at least do that same, right? And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, don't just forgive seven times, but I tell you, forgive 70 times seven. And that sounds like, some of you adding that up now, uh, 490, right? And somebody said, oh man, I, I'm at 491 now, so I'm done, right? That's not what he's saying. The number seven to God is a number of completion. Look all through the scripture and you see it's a number of completion. So what is he saying? He's saying, don't just forgive completely. He says, forgive completely, but multiply that times 10 to make that 70. And then multiply it times seven on top of that to just make this completion kind of squared and then multiply it times 10 and all that. He says, this is what I've called you to do. And so, and so it's not 490. It, it's, it's that God has completely forgiven us. He has completely, completely paid the penalty. And so no matter, no matter how much you've messed up, it doesn't matter. Because his blood is still there. Now, we don't need to take it for granted. We don't need to tr- tread it under our feet and, and stomp on it and act like it, as if it's nothing. No, that's, that's what Good Friday is for, remembering that of what all he went through to buy this salvation for us. But no matter how many times. Oh, and, and Simon Peter, I mean, he's, he's got to be one of the worst of the worst, right? I mean, he was actually walking around with Jesus for three years, and then he still cussed and said, I don't know him because he was afraid he's going to get arrested. Oh, surely, if God can forgive that, he can forgive us. You see, 
we need to hear a different story. Like, we, we hear these traditions. We hear these things. We hear these things made up. There was a time, there was another day where, where Jesus was, he was sitting out by a well. The disciples had gone into town to get takeout. Seriously. They said, we're going to go into town. Jesus said, I'm going to stay here. We're going into town. We're going to get food. They, they went to get food to bring back to Jesus. Sounds like takeout to me, right? Y'all didn't know takeout was in the Bible, did you? Okay, Jesus waiting on takeout. But he really not, wasn't waiting on the takeout. He was waiting on somebody that he knew was coming. And there's a whole lot of stuff to preach right here. But the big thing here is that this woman came at a time she wasn't expecting to see anybody. She wasn't expecting to see anybody. And when she got there, she was probably surprised that Jesus was there. She was, there were no other crowd. Nobody else was there. It was just Jesus. You know, that well should have been a time, a place where a lot of people were coming, but she went at a time where nobody, and so she was probably surprised. And when she got there, she didn't make eye contact with Jesus. You know, and, and she didn't talk to Jesus because Jews and Samaritans weren't supposed to connect like that. And Jesus said, give me something to drink. And she said, why are you talking to me? Jews and Samaritans, we're not supposed to even talk to one another. It is said that there was even like a custom, talk about racism. There was even a custom that a Jew would not drink out of the same vessel that a Samaritan had ever used. And so Jesus was saying, take that pail that you get all your water out of and bring me something to drink. He, he's not even supposed to be doing that. So she's just literally raised. First of all, she wouldn't even make eye contact with him. Why? Because she had heard the tradition was Jews and Samaritans don't mix. They don't talk. They don't speak. They don't, they don't make friendships. They don't have conversations. They don't do those kinds of things. You're not up to the standard. You don't fit. You're not good enough. Anybody relating yet? You don't have to say amen. An inside amen in your heart is just good enough right there. Just tell God, keep preaching right here, God. Tell me what you want to tell me, God. She had been told. She had been married five times. Now she was living with a man that she wasn't even married to. That's one of the reasons she probably went at a time where she didn't, see, didn't expect to see anybody because she was embarrassed. Why would she be embarrassed? Because she had heard all these things that men had said, people had said about her. You're just a Samaritan, and you're not even a good Samaritan at that. You, you're, a, you know, you're one that uh, has been married and divorced all these times, and now you just, you just gave up on marriage, and you're just living with somebody. And so when she showed up, that's why she didn't make eye contact. She didn't think she was worthy to make eye contact. I can't tell you the number of times. Oh, somebody, somebody, listen here. I can't tell you the number of times I've stood in a, in a church service in my life and almost felt, almost felt like I couldn't raise my head as if I was looking to heaven because I had done too many bad things and I wasn't qualified to look into his eyes. She needed to hear a different story. And some of you need to hear it as well. The traditions of men, the traditions of men, they'll, they'll destroy you. They're empty. They're dead. They tell you things. They tell you who you are, where you came from, and what you've been. And they remind you that you're not qualified. But that's not who Jesus is. And Jesus, he didn't need a drink of water because he was the drink of water. He was the life that she needed to hear. Some of you need to hear that today. 
that you don't even feel qualified to look into his eyes. But now, you know what? You know what I understand now? Is I understand now that I can step into this place and when they begin singing and they begin work, I can throw my hands up with the best of them. I can raise my head and try to find his face and look into his eyes, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done, that now I am qualified to look into his eyes and tell him how awesome that he is. Amen. And let me say this because I hadn't said it in a while and some of you, some of you are here for the first time. We don't do guitar solos. I wish I'd have said this before that song just a few moments ago. We don't do guitar solos around here at 2911. When the screen goes blank and there aren't any words up here, that's not the time for somebody else up here to do a solo. That's your time to do your solo, to say, God, I thank you. Not that I'm not thanking you because of what I've done. I'm thanking you for what you've done in spite of what I've done. It's your time to sing your solo out of your heart to tell him how you feel about him. We need, we need to hear a new story. And the new story you need to hear today is that Jesus brought you life. And then there was the time where the, one of the most religious men we ever hear of in the Bible, he was so religious, he was throwing people in jail because they weren't religious enough. You see, Jesus wasn't religious enough because he didn't, he didn't, you know, he was, he was telling them he was fulfilling the law. No, no, no. They were like, no, 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 no. We're going to hold people to this. And Jesus wasn't religious enough. So when he found somebody that followed Jesus, he threw them in jail. He hauled them out of their houses, moms away from their kids. And he was on his way one day. He got in a, he got in a letter. He'd gotten a letter giving him permission to go to Damascus because he's heard there's some people over there not religious enough. And he went and he, he had this letter on his way to Damascus. And before he got there, Jesus stopped him. Right before he got to Damascus, Jesus stopped him and had a little conversation with him. And this man, one of the most religious men in the whole New Testament, this man that was being raised and groomed to be a Pharisee, this man that all of his life had been that way, this man that has sat and listened and been instructed in religion. Look at what he says there in verse five of chapter nine of the book of Acts. Who are you, Lord? This man who says, you know, I'm all about religion. I'm all about God. And he didn't even know God's son. He said, well, that's because he, he, he didn't like Jesus. Well, if he didn't like Jesus and he was persecuting Jesus, you'd think he'd know Jesus. If he was persecuting him and persecuting his church and persecuting his followers, you'd think he would recognize him when he showed up, but he didn't even know him. He didn't, he, he didn't even know him. He, he didn't know who he was. And here's where a lot of us are, is we're running. I, I think Saul was, was running through his life. He had a mission, and he wasn't even stopping to think, is, is this a good thing that I'm doing? Is throwing these people in jail that I don't agree with religiously, is, is that a good thing? Is having them hauled away, dragging moms away from their kids, is this a good thing? He wasn't even stopping, and, and, and Jesus said, stop. You need to think about this thing. You are persecuting me. You are coming against me, and I'm the life that you have needed all of your life. Come on, somebody. We get so busy running and doing and thinking and planning and building and creating and all of those things, and we ain't even thought if we're doing the right thing yet. So stop. Right here, right now. Is this thing that you're doing, is it a good thing? This life that you're living right now, is this the good thing? Five years, 10 years from now, 
If things continue as they continue, is this really where you want to be? Is this the plan? Come on, think, think about that. God's stopping us here, right here. He's stopping somebody to say, you need to stop and just think about where you're headed. And I know what, what some of you think. You say, well, I'm just going to keep working hard and, and everything's just going to turn out. You know, I, 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 had, I had to challenge somebody the other day in my family that they, they believe they're their own personal physician and they just go to the doctor for second opinions. Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? And they told me, so I'm going to be all right. And they told me, I'm, in a little, I'm gonna be all right in a little while. And I said, uh, and, and just exactly what do you base that on, you know? And that's the way sometimes we, we just feel about our life. Oh, it's gonna be, I'm gonna keep working hard. But if you're working hard at the wrong thing, if you're working hard at building the wrong thing, if you're working hard at going in the wrong direction, it's still the wrong thing the wrong building, the wrong direction that you're doing in life. And so if you're going hard at it, that means you are just building bigger and better wrong stuff that you don't need in your life and you're making big stuff out of the wrong thing. So stop today and say, is this really what I need? Because Jesus is saying, no, I want to do something. And, to, and what he did for, for, for the apostle Saul that he changed the name to Paul, what he did for him is, is that, yeah, he was headed in the wrong direction. He, he was headed, he was, not, he was not paying attention, not thinking about those things, but, but what Jesus did and what he wants to do for you is he wants to give new direction for your life with purpose, with purpose and hope. That's what Jesus wants to bring to every one of you. So, you, so we all need to stop for just a moment. Is this really what I want? Or, do, or am I ready for some purpose? Come on. Some of, some of you, man, you know, we waste our time working to get this close and just not going ahead and saying, I'm ready for the purpose. I'm ready for the hope. I'm ready for the life. Some of you, some of you are working so hard yet stopping short of saying, am I on the right road yet? Let God change. One last little story, if I can. Let God change your direction. Let me, let me just go with one last little story with you. And this is, this is the day that Jesus was invited into another religious man's house for dinner. And when Jesus got there, a lady that had met Jesus in the ministry found out Jesus was in his house. And so she went in there. She, she got into the house. And when she got there, it was obvious that Jesus had made an amazing impact on her life because she started crying so much that her tears were falling from her cheeks onto the feet of Jesus. And she began wiping his feet and washing his feet. You know, so I was like, that is one. I want to know the rest of that story. You know, that would make her cry so much that she would have enough tears to wash his. What in the world did he do for you? And she, she then took her hair down, or she had long hair, obviously, probably in those days, she took it down and she, she began to dry his feet off then with her hair. And then she took, she took some, some, some oil, some ointment from, in an alabaster box. I, I don't know about these things, okay? All I can do is I can, tell you what, I can tell you what people who have studied that time, you know, that time of history and, and can tell you about those things. And what they say about those things is that this was something that was extremely, it was extremely expensive and she had probably saved a long time for it. And to bring it in and to break it and waste it all on one thing, that's what some people thought. 
It was, a, it was a very extravagant thing she was doing to take this and to break it and to, and to bathe the feet of Jesus with this fragrant oil. And then, while all this was happening, this religious guy that invited Jesus to dinner, he said, hmm. well, if Jesus was really a prophet, he didn't know what kind of sinner this was. Sounds to me like there were two sinners in the house that day. There was one that had received forgiveness in Jesus, and there was one that was still pointing fingers. You know, that, that, that's, that's another dead end for you guys. That's another dead end trap for you. When you start pointing your fingers, you know, you, you know they even say it in AA, right? I mean, you got to admit you got a problem before you can get, get any help with it. And as long as we're pointing fingers, we're not looking here and saying, in our past, our past can be a prison. Our past can be a prison that other people don't want to let us out of. Come on, somebody. Come on. Somebody knows what I'm talking about right here. Our past can be a prison that other people do not want to let us out of. But do you know what Jesus did? One day he walked into the temple and uh, walked into the synagogue and he said, he said, he said, I'll read today. So they handed him the scroll from Isaiah. He opened it up and this is recorded in Luke chapter four, where he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There are people who do not want you to get out of the prison of your past. But they're not the ones who hold the keys anymore. Jesus now holds the keys and he said, I have come to turn you loose, to give you liberty, to give you freedom, to let you go from the death, from the death sentence that is over you and to give you life today. Can I ask you to do something with me? Would you stand and come to the front? If you're a first time attender, let me tell you that we like to close around front and so we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. We just come down for a final song, a final prayer, and we'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. We won't do anything, anything else beyond that. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable doing so. As always, our prayer team members are standing here. These are people who prayed over my mom. These are people who prayed over my wife. If I had a, if I had a sickness, if I had a disease today, I think these people, I'd want them praying over me. So if you've got a need, come down and just, just take them by the hand because the Word of God says, and this is Jesus speaking, He says, we're two agree concerning anything. It is done of my Father in heaven. It'll be done if we agree. Come let them, whatever, if you've got a financial need, you need a job, you need a job, you need, you need a better job. I, these people believe in the power of prayer. They have been praying for you this week, waiting for this moment. I really encourage you to come and let us pray with you. Let one of them pray with you. They are anxious about that today. Let me close by telling you a little, little bit about John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, that chapter begins with a miracle. Jesus feeds 5,000 families from one little boy's lunch. Can he really do that? I mean, listen now. If he's the God that created the fish in the first place, don't you think he could multiply the fish in that basket? 
I mean, sometimes we, sometimes we, we, we doubt over the silliest stuff. I mean, you know, if he's the creator of the universe, quit doubting. I mean, our problem most of the time isn't can he, it's but will he do it for me? Oh, that's it. That's what it struggles with. I struggle with. Will he do it for me? That's the amazing. And let me tell you, yeah, he will. Well, they got so excited about that miracle. They got their bellies full. After they were done, they, they, they'd eaten all they could eat, and they took up 12 baskets. Well, that tells me that everybody got full because nobody wanted any of the rest. They didn't want it. And they got so excited, they wanted to make Jesus king by force, the Word of God says. It actually uses those two words, by force. They wanted to make him king. And so Jesus was going to slip away because that's not his purpose. I didn't come for this. I came to bring life. I didn't come to rule. I came to bring life. They wanted him to overthrow the Roman Empire, but he said, I, I came to bring life. And so he slipped away, and he went across the sea, a big lake, and he went halfway by foot. Remember that story? And then he got in a boat with the disciples and went the rest of the way, and this crowd that wanted to make him king, they, were so, they followed him. Bunch of them followed him. They found him on the other side, and they started asking him questions. And he had told them, you know, they 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 had had the meal. They had seen miracles. You know, how did you get over here so fast and all of that? Because I know you weren't on that boat when you when that boat left. And so they just witnessed another miracle. They were all into it. Man, this is amazing. We have a prophet of God. We have heard amazing stuff. And then Jesus said, "But I've come to give my life." And you can't just accept the blessings and the, the food and the miracles. You've also got to accept me. And when he said that, guess what happened? If you read chapter 6, the language there tells us everybody left except for his 12 disciples. He had a multitude that wanted to make him king. And as soon as he said, now you've got to believe in me too. You can't just believe in the stuff I do. You've got to believe in me you got to trust in me. I, I'm going to die to give my life so everybody can have life. And they said, no, 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 we don't want that. Except for the 12. And so Jesus turned to them and he says, are you going to leave too? And Simon Peter, thank God he got that 490 chances. Because every once in a while he got it right. When Jesus said, are you going to leave also? And Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. There was a multitude that had experienced all the stuff, but they didn't get the life. Don't miss the most important part today. Don't just be awed by the presence of God and and, and enjoy the worship and be challenged by the sermon. Don't, don't just get those pieces. Don't miss the important, most important part. Accept Christ and have life today. That's why he came. He wants you to have life one day with him forever, but he wants you to have life right now too, the here and now. And all you have to do is just, like he was talking in John 6, just accept him. Just accept him. And if you would like help praying that prayer, these prayer team members are ready for that too. But I want to pray that prayer. And it's not important what you say. What's important is what you do in here, the decision you make. And if there's any Simon Peters here today that you struggle with, you know, you're really tallying up those 490s, he's here.
He's here. Talk to him about it. He can do like he did with Saul. He can redirect, put you on a new road, give you a path that leads you to life. Let me pray that prayer with you. And when we finish, don't start singing until you finish praying, okay? But when we finish, I want you to spend some time, just spend some time here, just enjoying his presence. Just getting to know him a little bit better. Would you bow with me and pray? Father, we come to you now. And